It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. We are back with another episode of On The Clock. I am your host, Brett Whitefield, and today we have another special guest. That's the theme of this podcast. We're bringing you the best guests in the business. Today we have John Costco from Pro Football Focus, PFF. John, how are you, my friend? I am doing great, Brett. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to be on your podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm just trying to get my golf game up so you don't beat me in the Whitefield Invitational this year. Yeah, I've got a I got a cage out back that I uh, need to get practicing again on. Uh, and during the football season, I, you know, we work we work like eighty hours a week or whatever yes. it is, so we don't don't get much time to 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 swing the golf club or do much else besides be with the kids and the family and yep. uh, do football. So yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna uh, get practicing again because uh, I, for one, you just obviously we enjoy it, and then. I gotta beat. I've got my goal is to beat your dad this year, so that's my goal. Nice. Yeah, I have full disclosure. I actually haven't swung a club since August, so <laughs> I I have not been practicing. Um, it's gonna be a. I gotta try to find time to get out a few times. Like there's like a month gap between the draft and and the the actual tournament. So for those of you who don't know, because John's been a guest on the other podcast, Take Talk. Uh, for those of you who don't know. My family throws a, a big golf tournament every year called the Whitefield Invitational. It started as just family, but we've expanded the reach into some of our close, close friends. John is a, a very close friend of mine. Ergo, he was on our trip last year. And we do this this outing at different places all over the country. Last year it was in Tennessee. This year it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. But John, I, I would think, is the favorite this year because he golfed poorly enough last year to have to set himself up with a nice handicap this year. And, yeah. and then you, you've improved dramatically since then. Cause you, you are a good golfer at heart. You were just a little rusty last year. Yeah. Last year, um, it was just after moving here to Tennessee. So I was in the middle of, of doing that. And then, um, I just, I had, I had a rough la- Like, I think a lot of us kind of did struggle a bit though. So like, but the thing is like, I, I normally shoot in the, the mid nineties, and I shot, I think, in a you know above 100, and you know, like then I kept practicing and playing last year, and I got I was at a point where I was shooting like so if I did a a nine hole, um, you know, just session or whatever, I'd be shooting in like 45 to 42. So if I can if I can maintain that and get back to where I was there, and and I, I have a shot. So yeah, but uh, yeah, it uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, this is a handicap-adjusted tournament. So, And your handicap for the current year was based on your scores last year. It gets adjusted that way. My handicap is out of control. I actually have a shot to win this year, too, because I golfed so bad last year. If you improve, um, yeah. If I improve, correct. That's the big key. Um, my dad and my uncle, they're they are pretty good golfers. So they're usually the favorites. But I, th- I think John is in a prime position to overthrow them this year. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. 
Uh, speaking of developing and getting better at things, let's talk about quarterback play, John. <laughs> that <laughs> nice is why you're on this podcast, not to talk yeah, about golf. <laughs> no, this, is, this is not to talk about uh, whatever we want, right? It's to talk about yeah. quarterbacks in the NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, so, John, I, I really wanted to have you on because not many guys in the business I respect more at evaluating quarterbacks specifically. Um, you know, just I don't know if you can touch on your role at PFF specifically, but you I would dub you the pass game specialist of PFF. Is that is that true or false? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a I, I mean, I, I don't like to toot my own horn or anything like that, but uh, there's a know. number of us that are, you know, pass game specialists or whatever. And um, and, I, you know, there's, there's probably I'd say, you know, a handful of us that are pretty good at evaluating quarterbacks and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I take a. You know, I, I I really focus on that because obviously the most important player in all sports is is the quarterback, and if you don't have a quarterback, you you're not going to win anything. And I think that that kind of shows based on the past, especially the past twenty years, where we saw Tom Brady win seven Super Bowls, Peyton Manning win a couple. He he had uh, uh, now Patrick Mahomes, and you yep. just see that the the only essentially it, the Super Bowl is dominated by the elite quarterbacks, and so. Uh, there you have the rare year or here or there where the team is so strong that it, it you know as long as you have good quarterback play you can win it but it's it's such a it's such an important position that you have to be able to get that right and I mean there's another Patrick Mahomes going to come along Pro- I mean probably you know not um, you know not for not for the foreseeable future or anything like that but that's what's if you can at least get yourself into that ballpark you can give yourself a shot. Yeah, for sure. And one one thing I particularly like about your your uh, process is, I mean, you've kind of done it at all three levels. Like you you've played D one ball, you work at the the biggest analytics company in football, so you have like this analytical background that's different than most evaluators. And then you've also coached now too. You've added that to the resume. So like, you really are bringing in different elements into your your process, which is you know, you're going to, you're going to find things that a lot of guys won't. You have a, a really diverse skill set that I think allows you to see things more clearly than most people do. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit. Like what, cause you, you do a good job of blending analytics and film grinding. What, uh, what kind of traits do you look for in a quarterback? Like what's the most important thing? Like give me, I don't know, three to five. We could talk about each one too, but like, give me like three to five traits, I guess you could say in a, that you want to see in a quarterback. Yeah. So I mean, decision-making is a huge part of it and decision-making is a broad category of Mm -hmm. things. So like reading a defense pre and post snap and kind of like deciphering what's going on and then getting the ball to the open receiver. Essentially that's like the name of the game when it comes to the quarterback position Um, and doing it quickly within the proper timing of the, the concepts before, you know, pressure can get to you and get sacked and stuff like that. You know, you just look at, I mean, you look at, Peyton Manning as an example, like the guy like rarely got sacked uh, because he had always knew what the defense was giving him. And he always knew where to go with the ball. Um, even if they gave him a different look, he, he had a, he had, you know, second and third options. And then you got to do that accurately. Um, and you've got to have a good pocket awareness about yourself where like if you do get fooled and you have to hang on to it a little, a little bit longer, you can, you know, drift, move in the pocket where you need to go and then and then deliver the ball as well. Um, obviously there's a requisite amount of arm strength that you need to have. Um, you know, I, I, I think, but if you go to the NFL level and stuff like that, you're generally going to have enough arm strength anyways. Um, and I think 
as well that that can be developed. Like you can, uh, over time, get a stronger arm. You've seen that with Tom Brady, an example. He was a guy that probably he had a good enough arm coming out, but then his arm did get stronger and better as with you know proper training and you know his his that, all his stuff that he does and stuff you know but the, the brady example is a great one just to interject really quick because his arm got noticeably better as he got older in fact i think it was either the 2020 season or the 2021 season so pretty recently brady had like the first and third longest air yard completion in the nfl that season and he averaged the highest velocity per throw in the NFL as like a 42, 43 year old guy. Oh, wow. Which, and it was dramatically higher than, than seasons past. And if you actually look at it charted, since they've been tracking this data, his velocity was actually creeping up year over year until eventually this year was the first year that it dipped a little bit. And subsequently he retired. So shocker there, but there you go. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, he, he didn't have a bad year this year, but you could see the, 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 the step back that he took, like the age and stuff like that, because he started, um, you know, and we don't have to talk about Tom Brady, but we, you saw it like yeah, his yeah. pocket presence and, and just like a little bit more antsy in the pocket than he used to. Obviously, this offensive line was not as good, but but anyways, yeah, it's like um, I'm, arm strength is not like the super high in my list thing. Obviously, you look at like a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert and stuff like that, and you see like the raw physical power that they, they can throw with. But if you can't throw that ball with accuracy, which we've seen from Josh Allen early on in his career. He has to take, he, you know, he he takes stuff off the ball to get be a little bit more accurate with it, pr- a little bit more improved in mechanics. Uh, but he's still not like generally you wouldn't consider him an accurate quarterback. Uh, that mm-hmm. scheme, players around him help help in that regard. He's obviously developed probably be as good as you've ever seen a quarterback develop to be as good as he is now. Um, but you, nobody considers him to be an accurate quarterback. So, um, but you know, there's a lot that goes into the position. But I would say that. The majority of it is is from the neck up of understanding what what's going around uh, around uh, around you, um, you know, like Joe Burrow. Nobody considers him to have the strongest arm, but he has a really quick release, and that ball mm-hmm. comes out of his hand quickly when he wants when he sees it right, um, and he does see it right quite often. So, um, you know, you look at Patrick Mahomes. How often do you see Patrick Mahomes try to like howitzer in there? You know, he's he just has. I think a big underrated part of his game is that he does have a really good feel for the defense and what's going on around him. So uh, probably better than anybody in the NFL right now. So that it's to me, it's a neck up thing majority for the quarterback. And then you get these toolsy guys that you hope they can develop the neck up. But to me, it starts with the neck up. Yeah, that's so true. Decision-making for me is obviously my, my number one trait. It's like, and, and like you said, there's a million ways to dissect what actually constitutes decision making. My question for you is: Do you see like the way college football has gone and and changed over the years? How is this affecting quarterbacks at the next level? Like, I mean, some teams are running a lot of RPOs, some teams aren't. You have teams like Tennessee that run this extreme spread tempo offense. Um, you kind of hear language from some of these college offensive coordinators where. They're not really asking to the quarterback to read the defense. They're asking them to read a concept, and it's it's a one or a two, and they make a decision based on just bodies they see. They're not actually reading out anything. How like how do you think that's affecting these these quarterbacks coming into the league, and and how does that affect your evaluations of them? Yeah, it's that's a difficult one, right? Because like it's hard to know specifically what a quarterback is being asked to do 
on any given play. Like if you're yeah. not in that huddle, you're not in that locker room, you're not in that those coaches meetings. You don't know specifically what it is that the quarterback's being asked to do, what specifically he's reading. You can gain a lot of that insight from watching film as my cats tear up stuff in the house again. <laughs> um, but the, you know, when you look at it, like, Hey, you can only evaluate what you're seeing out there. And there's, there's a lot of those RPOs, which, Hey, if he made the right read, he's still making the right read. You're, you're reading True. something correctly there. So, um, is it a more simplified offense when it comes to that? Sure. It is. Look at Jalen hurts this year. They had a lot of those types of concepts where it's like, Hey, you've got a one read thing here. It's, it's either a give or you're throwing it to the flat or the slant or, or what have you. Um, and they were obviously very successful with that with the, you know, they, they add a stud and, and AJ Brown to his offense and they have a really good team around him. But Jalen hurts took a, a good leap this year because he was reading defenses better this year. Um, and so you can develop that for sure. And that's something that he did really well. Um, and I, so what I see is like, Hey, can this guy, when it, when things break down, can they have a good feel for what's going on around them? Because you have to start reading the defense when maybe the play is broken out of structure and see where, where are the bodies and kind of uh, throw it on the move accurately. But, you know, even, even there are still concepts in college where it's like, Hey, you have a downfield concept. You have a quick game concept that you have to read the defense and you have to see, Hey, where am I going to go with the ball? Cause a lot of times where, you know, one thing, you know, I'll take Baker Mayfield an example. Uh, he had a lot of schemed up stuff for him at Oklahoma. He did it really well. Um, and then when you did see him have to, you know, read a defense, I'd say in the Big 12, it was like he was doing a pretty good job with it. I think the warts that you saw were in the, in like the playoffs for him, um, you know, against Georgia and against Clemson and, his, you know, his sophomore, redshirt sophomore year and his redshirt senior year. Um, not, you know, th- those, are, those are the ones where you saw him struggle with like complex defenses because as you get into the sec with you know if you're going into the playoffs you see more complex defenses and see how they they react to things because a lot of times too like it's also really hard because how much are they coaching him to be able to read defenses at that level right right? like i know that like as a coach at, at high school like we we you know we we scout out a team and go, all right, this team's a cover four team or this cover team's a cover three team. They run that majority of the time. And it's like, you know, it's like, Hey, we, we know what types of concepts are going to work against this team. We're going to run them. And it's almost like, I don't know, 70% of the time you're throwing it to your first read anyways, because it's like, we know what the defense is going to be at the, at the NFL level. If you know what the defense is going to be, you should be able to throw it to your first read. So uh, it's like, um, you see it if you if you you know it's it's hard to see to generate it from any sort of data so it's like you have to evaluate the guy take the whole picture into place and saying hey is this guy reading this defense what is he kind of you know if you have to figure out what is he being asked to do did he read this concept right and then you give him a positive you look at like maybe some of the mistakes the guy makes um you know and if it's a fatal flaw and then if he does make a mistake does he learn from it so I yeah. think that's a big thing for me as well, especially at the college level. If you can't learn from your mistakes, then, you know, I, I don't know how, how adaptable you're going to be in the NFL when they're constantly giving you different looks. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Baker Mayfield because he kind of, he was the first time really this new wave of slow trigger quarterbacks hit, hit the market and was drafted very high. And it followed with, you know, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, uh, Bryce Young this year is a great example. These guys have notoriously slow triggers, and it's not it's not uh, necessarily a they can't read it thing. It's a 
they want to let the play break down a little bit and and get their receivers wide open. And like Kyler, for example, he would not throw to a receiver unless he was absolutely wide open. Yeah. Um, and I, I see a little bit of that with Bryce Young, which is sl- is a little concerning for guys being touted as like, you know, the the best decision maker of the group. Yeah, Young Young is a guy that almost almost on uh, the pro- so this is another problem with with colleges is that the athleticism of most defenders are far inferior to those in the yes. NFL. So like they develop bad habits and where they can just hang on to the ball. He can use his, his maybe his athletic ability at the college level to evade, you know, would be sackers, let the play extend, use it and then find a, a open guy down the field. So that's another thing too, is that, you know, like one, one reason why I didn't like Tua all that much, cause he did that. He, he was mm-hmm. the guy that would hang on to that ball to the very bitter yep. end um, and take some big hits uh, because he had, you know, four first round wide receivers that he could throw it to had all, all sorts of luxuries to, you know, that he has at Alabama, you know, and, and a lot of guys have that too. Like, you, you look at Joe Burrow, he had that luxuries of, of J- Justin Jefferson and, and Jamar Chase. And even, you know, Clyde Edwards, Alaire was a good college running back, you know, and obviously they had, um, they had a third wide receiver that was pretty good. I think Terrace Marshall, um, yep. as well. So like he had all that, but like you, you could also see in, in his film, he wasn't, he wasn't inviting that pressure or just holding on to it. He was throwing in rhythm and finding the open receiver and, you know, reading the dissecting the defense and, and breaking him down. Uh, and when it did break down and not have an open receiver, he was able to extend it. So um, there's a difference of like letting, uh, you know, allow just kind of this waiting like Bryce Young does. He waits for that pressure to get to him almost, or he, like he passes up open reads to find a bigger shot downfield. Whereas like the best quarterbacks, when, when they have an open read and that's going to get you eight yards, they're going to throw it to that eight yard, that eight yard gain, even if it's a check down out of the flat and they might, they'll do it quickly. Um, yep. You know, one, one thing I, I wrote an article for PFF that people should probably take a look at. It was just like, why one, one stat that makes Mahomes an elite level quarterback. And there have been 25 instances. So PFF has been around since 2006. For those that don't know, there have been 25 instances in the PFF uh, era where a quarterback had an individual season where they, when they threw short of the sticks and a non-screen plays, so you know it's not boosted by any screens or anything like that, where he had a positive expected points added per pass. 15 of those are between Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. Woo. So like says pretty much all you need to know, (laughs) right? Like these guys are doing something correctly, reading the defenses, maybe, you know, with Mahomes, maybe it's him extending some plays a little bit, but again, like that's a reading the defense, throwing it to the guy who's open and and having a positive impact for your play, your team. So those guys do something right. Whereas, I mean, you talk about a rare stat that happens in the, in the PFF era, you know, three of the best quarterbacks of our generation are, are doing it. So uh, it's it's such a huge thing of of just taking what the defense gives you and making the most out of it. Yeah, not to hang too much on that stat, John, but that is fascinating. I would venture to guess the other examples as well probably achieve that in like what you would call like a peak season or close to a peak season, like maybe a career year for a lot of those guys. I don't know. I can't say. I, I, I don't know what you, you're looking you at, who, but I'll tell oh, you yeah, who the other guys it. are. So Aaron Rodgers has done it twice. 
Okay. Drew Brees has done it twice. Okay, we're just adding Hall of Famers we're, to the list here. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Uh, but there are, there, I think Ben Roethlisberger did it once. Philip Rivers did it once. Fringe Hall of Fame guys. Yep. And then Jay Cutler did it once. And <laughs> and Ryan Fitzpatrick did it once. So, like, okay. you know, you're talking about, like, one-off seasons for some guys, but then, like, guys that are been considered, you know, top you know, top five of the, of our gener their generation at some point. Uh, there's, pro- there's probably another one there. I just can't remember, but uh, it, it's just, it's fascinating to see, to, to have seen that stat. Um, and Patrick Mahomes has done it four times in five seasons, uh, five starting seasons, which is, you know, uh, quite the start to a career, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Another question for you before we're going to talk a little bit about the pro the actual prospects as well, but um Timing and anticipation with throws. I see I've debated this with a few people. Do you put this in a decision-making bucket or is this an accuracy bucket for you? It's a combination. So like um, there are concepts. So like it's a timing, it's a timing thing, right? So like you, you have to read the defense and know where you're going to go with the ball. And then you obviously have your routes then in those routes, the ball has to come out in a specific timing of that. So like, if you don't know what the defense is, you're never going to be thrown with anticipation. Right. Yeah. So if you got a dagger concept where the, you know, dagger concept is a slot receiver is running a, uh, a seam, a clear out route from the inside. And then you got the, the outside wide receiver behind him running a deep in, you know, that can be, it can be anywhere from 10 to, to 20 yards, depending on, you know, what, what down in distance they are or, you know, what specifically the concept is there. Um, generally that's a, you hit your back foot. You might have, you might uh, have a hitch and that guy's coming in and you throw it into the open zone. That's there. Um, if it's deeper, you have, you know, might have a couple of hitches, depending on your, your drop back type. So it's, it's a uh, anticipation is like a knowing it's almost like a trust. It's like a trust and accuracy thing of knowing where, that your receiver is going to be at a certain spot at a certain time and reading that defense to know that that ball is not going to be intercepted or batted away at that point. Yeah. There's also multiple, I would say, ways of looking at anticipatory throws. Sometimes it's simply just, you know, you you see a, a receiver about to work away from a, a defender's leverage, so you're just throwing it to a spot for him to go get it kind of, yep. um, you know, before he makes his break or whatever. I think you see – a guy in this class, I think you you see that more than you would expect is Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. This is a guy who's not really hailed as an accurate thrower by any means, but you do see him throw with anticipation a good amount in this tape, and um, it's surprising. Um, anyways, before we get into these players, I do have to break for one sec to do a uh, paid ad here. Um, underdog fantasy the 2022 nfl season is over but the fantasy football season never stops at underdog fantasy the easiest place to play fantasy football right now you can draft an underdogs the big board tournament with 1 million in total prizes and a two hundred thousand dollar first place prize that's pretty sweet think you know which incoming rookies will burst out of the scene in 2023 if so now is your chance to draft them at a value all you have to do is join the big board Draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best ball, there are no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. 
Whoever has the highest score at the end of the year wins. It's pretty simple. Just head to the underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store. Sign up with the promo code FANTASYPTS, and you'll get your first deposit of up to $100 matched. There's another thing. If you do this, sign up using the fa- uh, the code FANTASYPTS on Underdog. You will get a Fantasy Points standard subscription for just 5 bucks. Ridiculous value. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code FANTASYPTS. And remember, new Underdog users who sign up using our code will get a Fantasy Point subscription for just 5 bucks. That's, that's crazy value. But um, all right, let's actually... Talk some of these prospects. I know you've you've graded them a ton. You've reviewed other people's grades of them a ton. You've got a pretty good feel for how these guys play. Uh, let's talk, I guess. I mean, I, I'd love to have you get into Anthony Richardson because he's probably my favorite quarterback in the class, but I think the, the listeners probably want to hear a lot about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So let's start there, and if we have time, we'll get to Richardson, all right? To consensus – well, I don't for, know. For now, is, Richardson's least, on the move. Yeah, I know that. Obviously, Bryce Young has been like, like, tape to tape, the consensus one at something like yep. that, top quarterback, and then the others are kind of shuffling behind them. So, those yep. are the two that I've I've done extensive work on. So, I am. All right. Yeah. So let's hit it. Don't let's not just for the sake of time not mention Bryce Young's size because we all know he's small. Breaking yep. news: yeah. guy's tiny. My he's like he's like my <laughs> wife's size. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> um, let's see here. So yeah, Bryce Young. He's a guy that that I mean he like you talk about can make every th- throw in on the field. He can do that. Um, he has a quick release when he wants to, to throw it and have that trigger to go. Um, but he has a slow process of when he throws it. So like, like you're talking about like the, Alabama would have a lot of downfield concepts and they knew that they had time for him to stay in a pocket and, and find an open receiver. Um, so he was a guy that could have that luxury to do that. Um, but he's a guy that I mean, really, like you, if you take out the size part of it, it's like he he's a guy that could potentially be a number one overall guy. Um, but the thing is, is that um, he holds onto the ball a little bit too long. Um, but he's I mean, he's a play. He's a guy that could be a good playmaker. He knows how to, to see the open receiver and, and get it to him. And when you have a downfield throw, he's very accurate with the downfield throws. So, like, you know, I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady or many things, but Tom Brady was a, had probably one of the best downfield accuracies of any quarterback of all time. Um, and that's a big reason why he was so good is that he, you know, these deep balls that he'd throw these go balls, he would always be on point with them. And, and Bryce Young has, has that ability to him. Um, so like, uh, you know, there's a lot of schemed up RPOs that he was, he even had the luxury of, of having for himself, but he's a guy that, you know, read, read the defense correctly with those. And uh, majority of the time, and, even this year when he, you know, the, I guess the one thing that, you know, concerns me is that um, he wasn't quite as he, he good in terms of like his leading his team to wins and stuff like that. And like, that's a, uh, arbit- maybe it's an arbitrary thing to look at. Like, Hey, this, this guy uh, uh, couldn't win games for his team. Um, but, you know, you talk about Alabama, they have the best players on the field at pretty much yeah. every single game. 
I would expected I would have expected him in his in his final season to to at least take them to the playoffs. Um, and he wasn't able to do that this year. So that's a, for me, that's kind of like a you know a little wart on his on his resume there. But um, you know, this is a, he's a he's a tools he's a he has all the tools that you want. He can throw accurately. He has a definitely a strong enough arm, um, and he's savvy enough in the you know the pocket that he he can make it work at the next level. Um, and it's like. I mean, the, the, for me, the biggest thing is like um, when so, you know, look at look at it too. Last year, when Jamison Williams went down in that the playoff in the national title game for him, like he kind of stopped playing well. I was um, just gonna say it seemed like he missed Jamison Williams this year like a lot. Yeah, and I know that like yeah, you you lost Jamison Williams, who was the first you know number what number twelve overall pick. Um, then. Like, you know, John Mechie was an excellent wide receiver for Alabama last year. So losing those two guys, that hurts. But, like, it's still Alabama, and they have guys that can come through the pipeline and, and step up. Um, and so, like, there's, you know, there's a concern there that, hey, he, he took a step back or whatever. But at, that to me is, like, you know, maybe maybe Alabama's team this year just wasn't as good. Like, you look at the receivers, like, I really couldn't actually name one off the top of my head. Ja'Cory Brooks. Yeah, and so like I know he's got speed, but like he wasn't. I mean, he's not. He's no. He's no Jamison Williams, and he's right. no. I mean, he's not even as good as John Mechie. And John Mechie was a second round pick last year. Um, I believe second, not not third, right? But um, it's you know that's I think for me that's kind of the warts for him is that like hey, when he didn't have his guys, um, he wasn't able to elevate the rest of the team. Part of that obviously is maybe those guys just aren't as good, but which you'd have to evaluate as well um and i'll, I'll you know and maybe in time we'll kind of know like how good or bad the the supporting cast was there um because you look at it too like uh, josh allen is an example um justin herbert's another example where like these guys in their uh finals even jordan love as an as well so like jordan love and his in his I, I think he, i think he came out as a junior did he come out as a junior or as a senior yeah so like his sophomore year then, so his second to last year, he had a really good year, graded like I think upper eighties. Um, you know, kind of like showed, hey, this is a guy that has potential. He has all the kind of the tools that you want to see. And then he took a big step back in his final year. Um, Josh Allen kind of did the same as well. Like he he had all the uh he had like got a couple of guys graduate that you know from weapons and then he took a step back his final year. It wasn't as good. Uh, but you still saw the tools, obviously. But um yeah, I'm long, long-winded and stuff like that on Bryce Young, but like, there's a con- there's always a concern for me when they they take a little bit of a step back in their in their final season. So Will Levis checks that box for me. Oh, hundred like, percent. Yeah, especially because he he wasn't even close to playing at Bryce Young's level last year. So not only did he take a step back, but he took a step back from just okay. Like, <laughs> like he was yeah. just okay last year, and then and then I I felt like he was honestly like pretty garbage this year. And I know he lost Wandell Robinson, but like there just wasn't a lot there for me to like, I, you know, people like, it's funny when you juxtapose people's opinions on, on Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, like what Levis is getting billed as the traitsy guy, big arm, freaky arm, but he's like, he's pretty inaccurate himself and he doesn't have the, the physical traits that Anthony Richardson has. So like, yeah, gun, gun to my head. If I have to bet on a developmental guy, I'll take Richardson all day over Levis. Yeah. You, you also think, um, you know, you look at look at the the landscape of the NFL where where Lamar Jackson has 
has a ton of success. And even Justin Fields this year started having a ton of success. And Jalen Hurts with his rushing ability obviously took his team to the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, Richardson, you know, you see the success that those guys have and that Fields is, you know, not, not yet or anything like that. But um, it's a it's the modern way of like, hey, having a dual threat type of quarterback, you know, extends your life or whatever in term in the nfl you've got to develop as a passer you have 100 yep. have to um otherwise you're not going to make it at the position um but if you can have that rushing ability uh to offset maybe some of the the you know deficiencies in your pass game you know look at josh allen first two years in the league he was a really strong runner not a good passer at all um and but still led his team to to playoffs and now look at him whatever he was yep. able to he had obviously the right supporting cast around him right staff around him right mentality to get better as a as a you know develop as a passer uh so richardson you know i don't i don't know what the guy's personality is like and i want to study him more um in terms of his you know how he f- reads defenses and feels the game out um but yeah he he's in, very intriguing as that type of a prospect because even if he's not polished as a passer right off the bat you know he's going to be a threat with his legs uh you know from day one yeah my personal take on Richardson is I I really do think he is far more technical playing the quarterback position than anyone is talking about whether I mean his pocket awareness and pocket presence is just outstanding I mean he for how athletic he is he's not a guy who looks to run right away he actually he prefers you know hitches or step ups or slides to evade, you know, defenders so he can throw the ball. Um, it, it really just is the consistent footwork when delivering the football. That's he really has to improve to to build that accuracy. But I think reading the de- reading defenses out, he does a really good job. You'll see a lot of um, really quick decision making where he's on his one and he quickly comes off it to the two, reads the other side of the field, and delivers the football very quickly, like within you know split second decision making. That type of stuff really impresses me for a guy who I went into watching his film thinking, oh, this is some raw developmental guy. I actually don't think Richardson's really that raw at all. I think he, for how little football he's actually played, um, not to mention, you know, we could go on a huge sidebar about how terrible the Florida offense is, but, you know, from a from a design standpoint, but we'll, we'll save you that. But I really don't think Richardson is this raw developmental guy necessarily. I think it's just a couple things with his throwing mechanics he's got to fix. He He – Got better as the season went along, too, with touch. That's one of the big complaints about him is he doesn't throw anything with touch. Everything's a fastball. And you will see slant routes where, you know, he's literally throwing the ball 100 miles an hour and his receiver has no (laughs) chance to catch it. It's kind of funny. But um, I think if you just clean some of these small things up, he will start to get better as a a passer. And if you surround – like, do what Buffalo did with Josh Allen. Don't don't have this tendency to – like the old school mentality of you, Oh, you're not an accurate thrower. Cool. We'll give you guys with massive catch radiuses instead, get guys with really good separation skills, make those throws easier. Yes. Um, and, and that will naturally increase the accuracy because you know, your margin for error, or the floor of that gets raised quite, quite substantially. Stefan Diggs did wonders for, for Josh Allen's game. Oh, absolutely. So like you, you bring, I mean, he's a, an elite level wide receiver that can get open. Um, and he just makes the whole team better. Um, Unfortunately, it wasn't the same for for Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, but that's you know because we, you know as we found out, Baker Mayfield is just not a very good quarterback. So 
Yeah. Um, I mean, and Cor- Baker was a good quarterback early on in his career. He's just gotten his own head or whatever. But like with with Anthony Richardson, um, you know, especially you talk about like a, what this year he had 767 snaps. Last year was only 192. So he's got it is is raw when it comes to the position. Yeah, he's definitely got it developed. So like the most important thing for quarterbacks is is getting those reps experience um, ex- exactly experience so like uh patrick mahomes you know as an example everybody thought him as a developmental type quarterback and really to mm-hmm. me the only thing he needed to develop was like having better footwork in a pocket pocket and when mm-hmm. he threw ball and one thing that i loved about him when he came out was and and you know i i pegged him as he was eventually going to be a, a top five quarterback in the nfl um you know during the draft process because i he had such a great feel for reading defenses. And then he, you just added on top of it, the, the, the insane talent he had. Um, and really he just needed to learn to, to uh, an NFL system and, and the footwork of that. If Richardson has needs to do that and, you know, and we're not saying he's Patrick Mahomes by any means um, it's, it's interesting because Patrick Mahomes had the luxury of sitting behind Alex Smith and obviously like the greatest offensive lineup probably of all time with, with Andy Reid. Um, so you would help hope that Anthony Richardson lands in the spot where he can develop behind, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a veteran guy, uh, and then come in there when he, when he's ready, because I think it's, you know, you throw, if you throw a quarterback to the wolves too soon, when they're not ready, it can ruin them. It really, it really can. You just, you, you hope, you would hope that like, Hey, if this guy, this guy, no matter what he can, he can figure it out. Right. But yep. we know that's just not the case. Like. Look at Geno Smith an example. He goes to the Jets, you know, 2013-2014, plays poorly there, is tossed aside. Now you're not good enough. We're going to we're going to, you know, move on from you or whatever. Comes to Seattle, you know, 8 years later. Look at him. He he was comeback player of the year, top 10 graded passer this year for PFF. Led his team to the playoffs, so like actually looked the part too. On actually on looked the part yeah. exactly. So it's like the dev- quarterback development isn't just isn't for one. It's not a linear thing where it's like you get better like in terms of just like mm-hmm. everything looks better year after year, game after game. Um, it's a roller coaster, and and you hope the roller coaster goes up, um, you know, and, and up. But it's for him. It's like I, I think for any quarterback, like you have they have to put be put in the right position and. Uh, individualized like how their development's going to be um i i haven't looked at i haven't studied anthony richardson to know if like he could start day one or not yeah but you know I think his, his experience is, is obviously a uh you know a, a concern a question mark there for sure on what he can do long term this is what like i would love to see him on the detroit lions they have Jared Goff under contract yeah. for two years. There you go. He can come sit, if, you know, and then maybe year two compete for that starting job. Or maybe the Lions decide to part ways with Goff to save some money. And Richardson's your guy. But that seems like a good scenario for him. Um, I, I ache in QB development, John, to, to jiu-jitsu. It's like getting better is definitely not linear. It's not this consistent progress up there are moments and plateaus and valleys where you feel like you're getting your butt kicked every single day at practice and then eventually all of a sudden you're tapping out guys you didn't think you could tap out and then six months later go by and oh you hit another level of of experience you do a couple tournaments you really gain, you gain that experience that we're talking about and all of a sudden you're hitting these massive moments of of growth 
but the the growth definitely isn't like the steady thing. It's like it usually comes in waves. And yeah, what's it, in between the waves is really like it would be based on your personality. Like, can you handle the lows? Can you handle those plateaus and those valleys and and continue to keep trucking through? Or are you going to, you know, stop caring? Which right. We've, and, and another thing, too, is like you, you could see a potential, you know, like say, let's say the, um, as an example, I don't I, I can't even think of it. Patrick Mahomes would be a decent example. So 2021 was not a great year for him. Um he struggled in 2021. I think part of it is like teams kind of figured out what ways to slow that chief's offense down and slow him down. And it's like, it's a, it's a, you know, Mahomes was doing haymaker after haymaker after haymaker. And then all of a sudden defenses kind of said, Hey, this is, this is a blueprint to stop you. Here's our counter punch. Right. And, and, you know, and not like in, in boxing or anything like that, where it's like immediate with, with another counterpunch or something like that, like quarterback development and, and figuring that out takes time to, Hey, hey what is going to work? And you might see some, some, some valleys in there, even though it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm reading this better. I'm feeling this out better. You just now just have to start trusting it when you start doing yep. it on the field too. So it's like, you could probably see, you know, from a, a stat perspective or productions perspective or grade perspective like maybe he's taking a dip there you know but maybe from a a personal perspective he's understanding what the defense is giving him um you know having a better mastery of his offense or whatever doesn't coincide they don't they don't mesh so that's why you might see then him when right now where he's at the the top of his game um again and and defenses are again really don't know how to stop him part of it's you know nice to have Travis kelsey but still it's like you talk about Travis Kelsey and a bunch of like twos and threes that he's throwing to yep. like not a real strong wide receiver core that he has there. And he still was able to do what he did. So it's like, I think it's, you know, you, you could be progressing mentally. It's just not there out on the field for sure. 100%. All right. Let's quickly spend five minutes on Stroud really quick. Cause I know you've watched a good bit of him. John, when I, you mentioned it a little bit with Bryce young and taking that step back with the, the loss of a couple assets and not leading his team to victories in crucial moments. When I watch CJ Stroud, that is by far my number one complaint is pressure seems to get to him, whether it's physical pressure when he's in the pocket or when the game scenario mounts, I know he kind of squashed that a little bit with that comeback against Georgia, but for the most part, whether it was, um, you know, Oregon last year, both games against Michigan, it seems like, he has not been able to answer the the call in those high pressure situations. What do you see when you watch Sudish? Hundred percent. So it's interesting you say pressure. So his pressure grade this year is a forty three point nine, which is thirtieth percentile among Oof. quarterbacks with at least three hundred dropbacks, which is obviously not good. Um, when there's no pressure, he does phenomenally. Yes. Um, I mean, he looks the part, right? So, but for me, like pockets in the pocket a, a, a clean pocket in the nfl versus a clean pocket in, in college are com- two completely different things um because it's you know the in the college it's like you've got like five yards of space on all sides around you mm-hmm. that's a clean pocket in, the, in college and uh in the nfl that clean pocket's like oh you, you still got a guy that's a yard and a half away from you on, on three different sides and you have to throw it in a phone booth or whatever for him when it came to the biggest games of his career Obviously, the Oregon game, his his first second his second start of the of his career. Um, did he do it again? Was it Oregon again this year that they played? He he no. led them. Notre Dame. 
Notre so, Dame was the comeback. The Notre Dame was the comeback. It, it was bad the first half. Yep. And then he realized, oh, Notre Dame's actually not that good this year. So he, <laughs> he started playing well. Um, and then uh, Michigan, both years, like he graded well in those games. And any Ohio State fan will kind of just go, oh, is the system. It's the players around didn't play well, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I don't know, man. Like if you're if you're a top top five quarterback, you know, for, or pick in the NFL and you're supposed to be the number one or two quarterback pick, you've got to be able to figure that out as, at the college level, especially against <laughs> your biggest rival. Like you cannot yeah. lose to Michigan two years in a row as as that quarterback. Like they had – obviously it's like Michigan has a really good team, but like – you know, Ohio State has a really good team. They're they're obviously we saw on paper they have a better team to be honest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. like they should win those games, and he wasn't able to do it. And then the one game that did impress me was the Georgia game, but then when it came down to the clutch, he wasn't able to get it done. Sure, they they had to scramble down to the thirty five yard line or whatever it was that you know mm-hmm. he made the play to put him in position to kick that field goal. But like you've got to get more. You've got to get more, and you've got to need a, a little more. Yep. You, you essentially have to win that game. And uh, he, he just didn't do it, especially when you had the, what, a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter with yep. under eight minutes ago or whatever. You've got to win that game. And that's on you as a quarterback to, like, be able to, to pull that out. And to me, it's like it's it's a lot, it's a lot of anecdotal type stuff there where it's like yep. you, you're not finishing these games in big moments. I take that to, like, Baker Mayfield as well. He wasn't able to win the biggest games when it came to him at Oklahoma and playoffs against he lost against Deshaun Watson, which is naturally you're gonna do that. But then he lost to to um Jake Georgia. Fromm. Yeah, Jake Fromm. Like, come on, Jake Fromm. Like you you've number one overall quarterback. You're you've just put up like the, the one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a college quarterback. You're the Heisman winner. You've got to be able to win that game, especially when they had like a 17 point lead in that game, I think. So yeah, it's like you've you've got to be able to close those games out and show that progress that you do there. Uh, obviously, Georgia was a really good team for you know for the Buckeyes to go against. They put up forty one points, but still win the game. To me, it's a big it's a big deal to be able to win those games in those moments. Um, you know, it was, it was one of the best games he had of his career, especially in the first half. Like he was he was like lights out in that first half. But you know, good for him to step up like that. But that's that's yeah, like. If you if you take everything away, like the pressure part of it, man, he looks the part for sure. But then the biggest moments, nope. Yep. That's a that's a pretty good summary. Skill set wise, John, he kind of does everything you want in a quarterback. Oh, yeah. He, he's not he's, a runner. He's not a runner. But he's mobile enough he's, though. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like you wouldn't say Patrick Mahomes is a runner, but he's definitely a, uh yes. mobile enough and he has a very good awareness of what's going around him that he can make the the plays with his legs if he needs to. So um, yep. I don't think CJ Shaw doesn't have that type of awareness of, of defense and stuff like that, like like um, Mahomes, obviously. But you know, I think I think if it's especially when it, you talk about him struggling under pressure, like he's just, especially at Ohio State, like you shouldn't struggle under pressure. Like I get <laughs> they like, have two tackles going that are going to get drafted in the top fifteen this year, brother. Do they really? So Paris Johnson, and then who's Paris, the other guy? Um, oh my gosh, my mind just bricked. Um. <laughs> Is it Dewan Jones or is that Georgia's guy? Uh, oh my gosh, what is my problem? Norman, yeah, Norman, Dewan, Norman Dewan Jones. Is Dewan, Dewan Jones. Jones? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we have Paris Johnson as like a, I don't know, top 15 prospect or whatever. And I guess Dewan, we have him as ranked 44 overall. Dewan Jones is huge. 6'8, yes. 350. He has the longest arm length in NFL history. Wow. 
he's gonna go i know you guys are lower on him than most um he's but that he's size, gonna, he's gonna go size, high yeah that <laughs> size is gonna especially yeah. if he tests well like if he tests well then yeah he just needs to not test like a well i don't even know orlando brown didn't test good and he still went high so well he he went second round didn't he yeah he went second round okay. but yeah i mean i look at i look at those guys like i mean i haven't evaluated the offensive tackles at all in this class um they don't they don't pop out to me like obviously like some of the better offensive tackles that we've seen in recent years like they're not none of these guys are like a Tristan Wirfs or correct um you know Andrew Thomas and I, even even like Jedrick Wills I think was probably stronger than them coming out or whatever no last year's class was loaded too with Cross and Icky Akamu yeah. and uh I'm blanking on the other one for whatever reason because my brain just stopped working five minutes ago <laughs> but uh yeah I mean I like Skaronsky this year. I, I, but I don't. He doesn't have the the ceiling. I think those other top prospects you, we just mentioned did. You know, it's like it's he has a Skaronsky. You know, we've we've just shifted his intent. You know, a segue yeah. in his, into offense tackle talk. But like Skaronsky reminds me of like a Joe Thomas type. You know, yeah. like I'm not going to say that he's going to be the next Joe Thomas or anything like that. But it's like there's there's nothing flashy about the guy's game. Yep. Um, maybe he he's got a little bit shorter of arms than you would like or whatever. Um, uh, but like the dude just got it done. Like, I think he. I think he gave up like five pressures this year. Yeah, yep. six pressures this year. I mean, you know, just absurd type type numbers from him. Pass protection of ninety three. So, and then his the Big his, 10, uh, his so. coach said no MAs this year either. No, yeah. like no misassignments. He obviously got beat at times, but no like mental mistakes basically, which you know it's it's pretty big for an offensive lineman. So yeah, and that's the thing is like I think I think he's a he's got that mentality or whatever, but. Regardless, like when it comes to the court, you know, for 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 Shroud, you know, we're talking there. Like uh, he shouldn't he shouldn't struggle like he does with you know he's throwing the first round talents and stuff like that. Like he just shouldn't struggle in, in pressure moments. Like he should be able to rise above that, especially at Ohio State. Like I could understand it if he's a dude at like Wyoming, like Josh Allen was, and it's like, man, you've you're you're just got it all yourself, and you've got to do it on your own. Like he had he has all yeah. the talent in the world around him to help him out. Indeed. All right, dude. We got to get out of here. You got to go blow dry your hair. Where can the pe- where can the people find you? Is it at John Costco three still? It's at John Costco three. Yes, That's on Twitter at John Costco three. Check out a couple of my articles at PFF. I will have a quarterback. I have a quarterback ranking from the 2022 season. Uh, that Patrick Mahomes article, his elite stat there, and then yep. the cornerbacks, top cornerbacks of 2022 are be coming out if it's not out already so awesome i I just said all right awesome in the same word did you like that (laughs) awesome (laughs) all awesome i told you the brain broke five minutes ago it's not coming back so no we are gonna get out of here we will talk to you guys later i'll be back tomorrow with another special guest to be named later Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.